get it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today we're looking into Wonder Woman, new release for 2017. And I didn't realise it, Lloyd, but we've actually covered all of DC's films. So Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, Suicide Squad, and now Wonder Woman. That's it, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, not including the animated films, of course, but yeah, all the feature-length films uh, we've covered. And some of the, I guess if you can count it as DC as well, the Christopher Nolan Batman films. Yeah, for sure. Well, we at least got the last one in there, I think. All right, well, spoilers ahead. If people haven't seen Wonder Woman, just be advised. We're going to be discussing the film, having seen it, so you may wish to switch off. Lloyd, did you enjoy Wonder Woman as much as Wonder Woman enjoyed that ice cream? <laughs> seeing um, Since seeing the 2009 animated film of Wonder Woman, which is directed by Lauren Montgomery and based on the comic book run in the 80s by George Perez, uh, I've been such a huge fan of the superhero Wonder Woman. I think she's amazing. I know the DC movies haven't been going too well lately. They've been getting a lot of flack, but their animated movies are just absolutely sublime. I, I, I honestly didn't think much of uh, Gal Gadot in Batman vs Superman, and that may be due to, of course, the film was so bloated and heavy that when she does come in in the third act, it just didn't have any impact for me at all. I don't know if you felt the same way with Gal Gadot in Batman vs Superman. Yeah, I mean, I feel like here we've had a chance to flesh her out, of course. Exactly, and, yeah. And now we get that backstory, so we, we're more invested. Yeah, that's right. And, and uh, well, I was actually really worried with um, this adaptation. I, I know the trailer looked fantastic, but I looked at the, the director, Patty Jenkins, and she hasn't made a feature film since Monster in 2003, but she did make a TV movie in 2015 called Exposed, but it doesn't really bespeak much of her handling this kind of content or especially the action scenes um, in this movie. So and she's the first uh, female director to make a film of an over $100 million budget. Right. And, um, you know, this is putting her in a whole new category as well, of course. And I had a terrible screening for this film as well. Um, I sat next to a family with three or four kids and they were constantly running in front of me and a few of them were <laughs> screaming and crying during yeah. very important scenes. Uh, it didn't. It really did ruin the experience for me, but I, I could tell especially the two guys sitting next to me, they were getting really annoyed. Like they kept looking over every time the babies were crying and stuff like that. And it's a very long, very dark... And and, uh, movie and you know a lot of people do die in this film so I thought that was interesting I actually did see a lot of kids uh, in my cinema as well but despite all that I was really blown away with Wonder Woman the film is getting heavy praise but also the critics have said that the third act of the film is the weakest part uh, with the villain being very poor and generic uh, which we'll get into but I thought it was perfectly serviceable there was a lot of emotional weight um, especially in that third act um, but before the animated movie um, Wonder Woman 2009, the only thing I knew of Wonder Woman was Super Friends. Have you ever seen that show? Uh, it's like a joke, isn't it? It's like an animated YouTube thing? Well, no, no, it's a, it's an actual show. I'm pretty sure that existed in the 60s. I remember renting out um, a, a couple on VHS. I had like Batman, Superman, Aquaman and... Um, yeah, uh, Wonder Woman, and there were a team of four taking on, going on adventures, and she's got like an invisible plane and stuff like that. Oh, you, you gotta Google it, maybe, may, or, or YouTube it. It's it's so bad. It might you might go. Oh, I remember that. It, it was <laughs> okay. terrible. It was oh gosh. What was it? It's it's like that radioactive man moment where they go. Yes, we got to go as far away from the seventies version as possible, and they're all singing and dancing, and he's like, <laughs> that's how it felt. But um, yeah. uh, watching. Um, that 2009 movie, I was blown away and, um, she's easily one of DC's greatest heroes, I think. And I'm happy to say that this movie directed by Patty Jenkins is, is really phenomenal. Yeah. And I was happy not to see an invisible plane at all because, <laughs> you know, I wondered if we would keep the, the sort of 
lasso of truth, which again is a bit of a concept that they might have uh, just given her a powerful lasso. Uh, but the fact that it still sort of burns the, you know, and causes pain to the the wearer and forces them, compels them, if you will, to tell the truth, uh, I thought that was interesting to keep as well. Yeah, no, I thought I thought it worked well. Overall, I mean, people compared it as well to Captain America, um, of course, because of the period piece nature of it. And I suppose the, you know, super soldier amongst other soldiers uh, that both Captain America and Wonder Woman sort of become. I enjoyed this a lot. My screening, the most annoying thing was... The fact that uh, during the trailers, they played these 30-second ads for Dunkirk, the new Christopher Nolan movie, and they were spliced in between every other thing, and it felt very repetitive. And in each one, they had a little bit of voiceover and a couple of shots, and at the end, they all had the same font that said Dunkirk, and then everybody's names. And they were so repetitive, there must have been like seven or eight of them that I was like, geez, all right, I get it. Dunkirk is coming. It's in July, people. We know. But that was probably the worst part of my screening because it was a very receptive audience. Everybody laughed a lot when um, Chris Pine, who he's been doing a lot of comedies lately. Oh, he's excellent, yeah. You know, and so he's got a lot of comedic chops, but it's great to see him kind of do a dramatic, more dramatic role here. And he was nailing it because, to be honest, like his jokes all got the biggest laughs. All the um, the bit where he's naked and she says, would you consider yourself an average for your sex sort I'm of thing? I'm above average. I'm above average. Yeah, he's comedic with it. And, um, you know, when he's on the boat and uh, she says, do you not sleep with women? You know, because he's declining to lie next to her. Uh, he's like, no, no, I, I sleep with women, um, you know, and he's talking about marriage and that sort of whole discussion uh, my audience was really loving. So the thing is they nailed the comedy here and this very easily could have been, you know, Batman versus Superman version two. Yeah, just really, you know, downbeat and murky. Yeah, and if they'd focused just on the heavy drama and not had these lighter moments, I can see this being received the same way. But the fact that you can look at Gal Gadot and she completely is Wonder Woman. They've got the casting spot on. Um, it looks iconic. Uh, the fight scenes were handled beautifully. As well, for it to be humanised and like have that sense of humour, I think is fantastic. And I think it's a great adaptation. I, I think Steve, on paper, the character um, that, that of Steve Trevor is the most boring character, you know, um, next to Ares, really. But as you said, Christopher Pine is such a terrific actor. I really think he's um, really serious about the craft of acting. Go check out Hell on High Water, which is an excellent movie. The thing about him in Wonder Woman that impressed me was the sense of humour. Like you said, the film has like those qualities of a Howard Hawke screwball comedy, especially with the fish-out-of-water scenes of Diana in London trying to blend into society over times and all the fashion and stuff like that. Like, yeah, the character is idealistic, handsome and brave. I'm talking about uh, Steve, of course, but he's just... All those qualities make a character so dull and boring. They're just so <laughs> straightforward, you know, but Chris Pine does such a good job here. You can forgive all of that and uh, and it holds that emotional weight, particularly at the end when he, you know, really sacrifices himself for the for the greater good, which is all you can ask in a perfect soldier. And I do mean that in the tragic sense, in the most horrific sense of it. Yeah, I did wonder as I was watching it whether or not he was a bit too much of a saint. Um, I thought perhaps he was too morally good and that he was... Oh, you're very... right. Yeah, your instinct's absolutely right. Mm. And um, the fact that he's... Uh, Steve Trevor and that Steve Rogers is Captain America and you obviously compare the two that he was sort of this you know very idealistic guy and maybe I was thinking as I was watching it if he had a few more of like Han Solo smuggler instincts you know if he if he was a bit more of a darker type maybe then her influence would have made him a better person and by the end when he sacrifices himself that means more because he's changed and he's willing to sacrifice something and even himself when maybe he's a little more selfish maybe that would have you know because she's so perfect in kind of a moral way like she wants to fight and protect and help and whatever and so he as well is exactly the same are they too similar there's no kind of conflict on screen one of uh diana's gifts from the gods is that she was blessed with beauty by Aphrodite's, we don't really get that. Like uh, she was carved from clay by Zeus, so you can imagine Zeus would probably make her the most beautiful thing on the planet. But she is raised in a culture 
where sexism isn't a factor at all, like how she looks at herself and her image is very, very different to, to how we would understand it. And there is a terrific direction all throughout this movie. People look at her like, yes, she is the most beautiful person they have ever seen, yet it's oblivious. she's completely oblivious to this. She doesn't have any sense of fashion and I don't think she cares at all about it. It's all about battle to her and destroying the villains and what's practical and serves that purpose. And like, I like it how she's trying to kick with the dress. She's like, how do you kick with this thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and the film does a, ter- a terrific job of blending those two things. Like, yes, Gal Gadot looks magnificent. She's insanely beautiful, but she has played and directed in a way that it's all about her fighting and overcoming the villain. Like, that's her main thread, and she's always moving towards that direction. I liked that as well, and the fact that she, since her childhood, basically has been groomed to be this perfect soldier that, as her mother says, played by Connie Nielsen, uh, she says she's got to be trained so much harder than everybody else and, you know. Well, I, I just wish they didn't waste the time with the mother keeping her from training. I thought that was just such a waste of time. Like, Amazons are trained from birth to be the best soldiers and they're prepared for death in battle and all the rest of it. But I just found that so annoying. There's this tiny subplot that her mother's like, no, Diana, you're not allowed. Like, what do you think she's going to do? Like, seriously, you're growing up in an island full of these warriors. That's, you know, she's going to become a warrior. I just wish they just simply just simplified it and just had her training from the get-go to be a very prom and, and she's a very promising student. Yeah, maybe reluctantly training her, like agreeing with her, yeah. with uh, Robin Wright's character. Um, for me, so that's the bit you would cut, like if you had to take time out of this film? Yeah, ju- just like I love um, being in that, geez, I'm going to struggle here, Themyscira. <laughs> no, um, I'm not going to try. <laughs> <laughs> like I-, I loved... All that, that whole, uh, the colour palette of this film was treated really well here. How, you know, it's got this beautiful world of Themyscira with all the, it's like paradise, really. And then it contrasts really well with the, the industrial London and the battle ruined Europe. And I loved all the Amazon, Amazons. I thought they looked fantastic. By the way, one of them is played by Anne Wolfe, one of the Amazons, who's uh, a great, great boxing trainer and one of the best uh, women US boxers in history. And, uh, you, you you know, I, I just thought all that was great. And I love that story, the, the, how they told the history of Greek mythology with that storybook-like thing that uh, that kind of opens the film. I would that have little had, animation. Yeah, yeah, that little animation. That was absolutely terrific. But I would have just cut the subplot because this is a very long movie. I'm, I'm looking for all kinds of things to cut because, again, I think it's a terrific film. But I, I just thought it was so pointless having the mother going, no, you can't train her. And, you know, just, just you know, one, one woman's going to be an awesome warrior. Just get right to it. <laughs> <laughs> For me, the bit where I was really wondering what it was doing in the film was all the stuff with the chief where they sort of meet him and they're sitting around and he's talking about how, you know, he's not really on any, either side and stuff. And I was thinking, gee, I don't know if he's a character that is really necessary in this film. And he didn't really have any great moment. Like, he wasn't really part of... They had like five of them or whatever when they assembled that team. And I kept thinking, oh, well, he's not necessary. He's superfluous here. He must be a character in the comic. But I was thinking that's the bit I would cut. But the problem being is that in Batman vs Superman, they've got that picture and the picture has to match this film. So at some point they must have cast Wonder Woman, done that picture. And went, oh, crap. (laughs) Yeah. And then they're invested and they're like, all right, well, we need to keep the chief or whatever. Are (laughs) you talking about the Indian? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what his name is on IMDb. His the character chief. is the chief. Chief, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I actually think one of, the, one of the best scenes in the movie is the campfire scene where you really see, where Wonder Woman really has to see the effects of of what war has done to these people, these these soldiers, and they aren't really soldiers. Like one of them, I think it was Samir, says that he wants to be an actor and, you know, clearly... Um, He's just the wrong colour, yeah. Yeah, Ewan Bremner is, is suffering some from some sort of shell shock uh, from World War One, And, the, you know, maybe Christopher Pine or, or sorry, um, uh, Steve Trevor is the only perfect soldier there. Like, he, he is actually a full-on soldier. But the chief actually says, oh, I've lost all my people due to him. And that kind of puts a little dirt on the perfect Steve Trevor that he is part of a people that wiped out 
most Native Americans. <laughs> yeah, but it's not him specifically. No, that's no. like saying, you know, all humans are Nazis because Nazis were humans. That's right. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not him directly, and the fact that he's associating with him obviously means Steve Trevor's a nice guy, you know, nice enough to spend time with. The The character you mentioned, Ewan Bremner, I thought they missed a very good joke um, opportunity where we find out she can speak every language, you know, or hundreds of languages, whatever she says. And uh, when, you know, she meets Samia, they're speaking on and off in different languages. And then I thought it would have been really funny if when Ewan Bremner's character, Charlie, comes over, he's Scottish, if he spoke and she didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> and it was, what language is he speaking now? You know, and he's just like heavily drunk and Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> that that build up to that first battle in the trenches, oh my gosh, it was so perfectly done. There was, again, that great campfire moment, which really highlights that this isn't a black and white battle. They could have probably pushed that even more that it's a world full of greys, you know, that it isn't as simple or there's Ares, there's the bad guy, just take him out and everything's, everything's done for. You know, the, the human world is so much more complex. You can't just separate it into those two factions at all, you know. And then you have um, the, her walking through and seeing the orphans screaming for help and there were families who have lost loved ones and are starving. Animals in the environment are really suffering with those horses being whipped. People are wounded and disfigured from war and that's obviously from the, the bridge scene in London where she's seeing all the veterans and the nurses pushing them and so forth and she wants to help everyone but Steve is trying to tell her, no, we, we can't help this battle. We have to move on to our mission and, you know, she, she just loses it at that moment and you see the full glory of Wonder Woman in that scene like her heart is so big she just arms up gets over the trench and then just charges straight into the enemy and oh my like again it was ruined because a baby was crying during that very moment <laughs> but holy shit that was amazing why that scene is so effective like the, I thought the action scenes were superb maybe a bit too much slow motion and it's obvious they were trying to get um to match when Batman rescues Martha in Batman vs Superman. That's like one of the best action scenes I have ever seen in any movie. That was amazing. And it's obviously they're going for more of that gritty aspect. Like Wonder Woman does get hit a, a few times, not stabbed to the extent Batman did in, in Batman vs Superman, but she does get hit a couple of times. She loses a weapon a few times. But, uh, you know, she overpowers all of them. But maybe a bit too much slow motion, but, man, what an awesome action scene. And the reason why all that is so effective is because Patty Jenkins allows time to build up to that moment. It, it's it, Wonder Woman is literally drowning in the modern horror of World War One, and she she can't take it at all and has to fight back right away. And to the credit to um, uh, uh, Steve Trevor's team, he does bravely charge in to support her in every possible way they can. So I really like that that element. Of course of it as he well. does. Yeah, yeah. Of course he does. He's perfect. <laughs> um, he should have the American flag flying though. Oh, oh no, yeah. no, he's British intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Um, I love the slow-mo. I didn't think there was too much of it. And uh, I think it's really to show you for the first time her as, as Wonder Woman. Yeah. Her hair hasn't changed to like look the way Wonder Woman's hair is looking in all the promotional materials. And at that point, she's sort of been hidden. But that first sort of slow-mo at No Man's Land is your first chance to go, right, there is Wonder Woman. This is what we've been waiting for. And it is timed well, like um, it, the build-up, as you mentioned, um, you know, to, to finally show us that side of her. Because we see her in training. We don't really see a fight on the beach when the Germans attack the um, Amazons. Mm. And so that's, yeah, as you say, the first real all-out assault of Wonder Woman. And she's she has to make that adjustment for the modern weapon weaponry. And I do love it how they build up the machine gun to be a very effective weapon. Like, as it's firing, there's nothing woman, Wonder Woman can do. She's completely pinned down. She just has to shield herself. And then once flanking or, or, or um, support fire comes in, then she's able to maneuver and jump in there and take him out. That, that was really, really cool. Like, I, I always hate reading up on World War One. It was a horrible, horrible... Well, both wars were terrible. 
terrible, but just the, just the slow bolt-action weapon, the trench warfare, isn't as exciting as the grueling street battles of World War II. But uh, recent films and video games have done really well in showing that you can make it cinematic. And I know this is going in a bad area because you should never, ever glorify warfare, but that's if, uh, if you want to make an effective action scene, you have to see some excitement and effectiveness to make it more effective. Yeah, and I mean... That whole sequence builds to her being propelled off the shoulders of her fellow men into that kind of clock tower where the sniper is. And as she crashes into it, it implodes. And it's, you know, uh, iconic looking moment where she stands there at the end and everyone applauds her. And obviously she's taken on an army by herself. There's reason to applaud. She's travelled across no man's land, which for seven years or whatever, they've been stationed there trying to get across. Well, seven months. I wasn't sure what they said. I think it was a year. Yeah, they've been those men have been there for a year and not even a been year. able to make a, a, an, a, an inch towards that town. Yeah, seven years sounded wrong when I said it. Yeah, um, the war but, only went on for a couple, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean. Uh, but her standing there, she's changed the game basically, um, hands down by herself almost. And uh, yeah, in that moment. She is Wonder Woman. And they like allow she's... adulation for that moment. They all celebrate. They're all shaking her hand and they all have music. And it, it fleshes out the effectiveness for what happens to that town when it gets hit by that mustard gas or the chemical weapon because you get that brief moment with these town folk. They're so happy that they've been relieved now. They can eat. There's a bit of rejoice. And I love it how the, the film took time to show that. So when the gas bomb does hit... Um, Patty Jenkins doesn't need to show heaps of disfigured dead bodies or anything like that. It just shows Wonder Woman run into the the town, everyone's dead, and she's really pissed off. Fantastic, because you allow time to foreshadow that. Yeah. Do you think she walks into that mustard gas without question a bit too much? I mean, she doesn't know at that stage she's kind of half Amazon, half God. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't quite understand that. Um, why isn't the um, gas affecting her at all? But um, at all, yeah, yeah. I, I just went with it. I, maybe I missed something there. There was also another part where where they're sailing in the boat getting to London, and then she wakes up and he goes, "Oh, we caught a ride," and there's a steamboat tugging them along. Uh, maybe there's a scene they cut out there. Maybe they've hacked away a few scenes, but just certain things like that. I just had to connect the dots and just assumed, okay, I must have missed out on Sonic, or you know, they they might have cut Sonic too aggressively here. Speaking of connecting the dots, they've there's been a small uproar about this film because uh, they're afraid if kids watch it, they're going to um, think, you know, and I, I don't personally think this, just a quick disclaimer, uh, they're going to think, oh, being a lesbian is cool because apparently the subtext is all there on Themyscira, I don't know, Thymax Aurelia, let's not bother pronouncing it, but on their island, uh, you know, the subtext is that you know, as she says, a man is necessary for procreation, but not ne necessary for pleasure. So the pleasure has been happening amongst the Amazons, Lloyd. Oh, and, God, uh, these people need to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, if you've got those issues, you, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've got many other issues in your life. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't really focus on it. Like I'd read that review or those, those complaints prior to seeing the film and they don't really focus on it. It's not as if they're kissing each other goodbye or like there are several coupled off uh, pairs of Amazons. If anything, that's all in the background. And um, the only moment I saw that I thought, oh, okay, you know, something here. And it wasn't like serious. It was more innocent is when Robin Wright dies, uh, when she's dying there on the beach, uh, Diana basically nonstop to try and touch the wound is nonstop touching her breasts. <laughs> Which, I mean, it happened like four times and it's just sort of checking where the wound is because she obviously took a bullet for her. But that's the closest to, you know, pushing that inverted commas agenda, as I could see. I don't know if kids will pick up on it. No, I, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. No, it's a it's a great movie. Uh, I think people should check it out. The, the subtext of it, if, if you want, if you're reading into it, that aggressively and you're worried about children picking up on that I, I think there's many that you're carrying a lot of baggage into the film <laughs> mm. and maybe you should focus on on those problems rather than the issues that the film's raising for you i guess but i sort of felt like most of having having seen it most of those people maybe haven't seen it yeah you know what i mean like that's something that they're bringing in without ever seeing yes. a frame of the film as well because it only just came out in the states and uh you know a few days ago here and 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 basically they 
may not have even seen it at well, the point of, of an, writing an, that. Another film like based on the Greek um, uh, culture, of course, was Alexander, directed by um, Oliver Stone, and that had heavy push um, for sexuality. Not as much as he could have, but the implicit—it was very implicit that um, you know Alexander and all those men had uh, some sort of sexual relationships when they were very young, um, or all the guys did. And um, I saw Oliver Stone in Vivid Sydney. Um, he did a talk um, there, and I actually got to ask a question, <laughs> which is interesting. But he 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 said, "Oh, the the amount of uh, backlash." I had to get like so many countries just wouldn't even consider accepting a film with homosexual um, uh, elements in the movie, and particularly because Alexander the Great's always seen as this aggressive, aggressive military um, showcase because he was like the most perfect general, the perfect conqueror. But the homosexuality they can't accept. You know, it's just so ridiculous. But I, I just guess a lot of maturity just has to. Um, occur throughout there's still a lot of maturity to happen throughout the whole world I'll say that <laughs> so is that the question you asked no I ask um, because Greek mythology is so implicit in a lot of his movies I I wanted wondered if there was a, a story from the Greek myths that he would uh, adapt given a Michael Bay budget and he said no I pretty much told my Greek story with Alexander but I, I personally think there is one but he's um, just his mind is just preoccupied with so many other things <laughs> he is a very scary man in the flesh. He is so intimidating. <laughs> is that right? I wondered if he looked older or frailer, but it sounds like he was, you know, <laughs> he's full of energy. Yeah, he's definitely aging, but very angry. Like, he, he obviously knows so much about world politics and stuff like that. Just, you know, he's, he's got a lot of things to say. I'll just, I'll just leave it like that. <laughs> mm, fair enough. Well, another uh, Greek mythology that this reminded me of was Xena, Warrior Princess. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fantastic show. <laughs> yeah, the sense look, of humour in it was excellent. <laughs> yeah, and this had that as well. But I mean, I'm uh, just basically at the beginning, the horse riding and some of the armour sort of had similarities. It didn't really go too far beyond that. But one thing that the two share, Wonder Woman and Xena, was Ares because the god of war uh, featured strongly in Xena and was a major part of this film, Lloyd. Uh, well, critics have said like the the weakest part of the film is the third act and David uh, Thewlis. I feel like it's Thewlis. Th I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I don't think is strong enough to play um, Ares, um, especially physically. He just doesn't seem like a war god. Um, he's got sort of like a madness quality, but I don't think he was a great choice. And I hated having a twist with the villain that, oh gosh, the good guy was actually the bad guy thing. I, I just find that narrative device to be like very 90s. And it, it just seems so dated to me. But for me, the climactic battle was actually pretty good. Um, despite what the critics say, they they a lot of critics. That's the number one flaw they they say in the movie that it was just so generic, you know, just DC generic blue ba um, lights <laughs> battle or, or whatever they kept referencing CGI battle, yeah, yeah. CGI light battle, yeah. <laughs> and I, but I love it how the film was willing to kill off the main character, like uh, um, uh, Chris Pine's character, who gave so much emotion to that whole battle. It was great. It was it was a great touch having Wonder Woman not hear what um, Steve's farewell speech was. And I wish they kept that. Like, tragically, yeah. she never actually heard what yeah, he said. Yeah, like the whisper in Lost in Translation. Oh, the ambiguity would have strengthened it so much because you know he's telling her he loves her and yep. I, I have to do this. And he hands the watch to her. Like, the most important thing in his life, he's he's given back to her. her and he loves her so much. And he's going off to, dive, uh, to, to, to make sure this bomb doesn't um, drop on innocent people. And you don't need to go back, cut, do a flashback sequence of exactly what he said. I just feel that was really unnecessary. It was overkill, wasn't it? Because it, it when was, would yeah. she? She can't recall it because she didn't hear it. So where's that coming from? <laughs> well, I interpreted that was after the sh the ringing went out. She's take taking in the information. She's. Uh, I, yeah. I think she should have just heard the end. She should have said, heard him say. I wish we had more time. Yes, yes. Or something like that. Absolutely, yeah. Just a final line. Like yeah, when he have hands the, the ringing watch. going and then the ringing slowly fade out and then him say, I wish we had more time. Yeah, yeah something that, like that. That would have been awesome. That's a complaint from me as well. I really enjoyed her ringing in the ears and then I was thinking, oh, this is fantastic, lost in translation. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's like a silent movie. Your, your mind is putting it all together. 
you know. Yeah. Yeah. And for years, people can debate, and then Chris Pine yes. can say, "I will only say what you know. I won't say it in public. I won't put it in the public eye. Only it will be between what me and Gal Gadot were there, and we heard, and blah blah." And it would have been something that would have been daring. And uh, to recap it, I was like, oh. <laughs> it was <laughs> it's just such a waste of time and it kills a lot of the effectiveness of that of that scene. Uh, but the biggest reason why I like Wonder Woman, and th- this is really shown in the 2009 film, is that she can take a lot of damage but she keeps going and going. She doesn't stop fighting and it's kind of hinted at here with how much Gal Gadot is thrown around by Ares but Ares, I just feel, doesn't put up a big enough of a fight. It, it it should have taken everything Wonder Woman has to take him out. Like, he is a war god, you know? And I, I just think they needed to empower him a lot more. Like, make the choreography much more effective. Like, Wonder Woman's trying everything. All the training means nothing to this guy. It's really her heart and determination that overcomes this war god and he's exhausted by the end or really shocked at how 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 effective this person is. Um, but it, it just wasn't um, enough for me. But I do like this climax. I don't agree with the critics. I think this is... This this is actually a very serviceable climactic moment again because of the emotional weight with the loss of Steve and how she fights back. It really charged me up, going yeah, yeah you know. But just make Ares more powerful than that. It was just not enough for me. What's interesting is that like Zeus is both of their parent, like their brother and sister fighting, and yet they look so different. And so I completely didn't put together that Sir Patrick was Ares and there was no way of guessing yeah. the twist ahead of time. Um, he was not you know, blessed by Aphrodite's with beauty. <laughs> no, sure. Uh, but as well, I, I wasn't on board with Danny Houston as the villain, uh, as Ludendorff. And when he was smoking in that gas and becoming all crazy strong, I was like, I don't like yeah, this. Yeah, this look, that looks so dumb. That looked and almost as bad as Iron Man 3 with, you know, the redness, how everyone yeah. goes, oh, that looked terrible. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that little, like, how I was thinking, how does she make a gas that makes you, I don't know what she said, um, Wouldn't it have been restore better? your strength? Yeah, that's right. And he, he sniffs a bit of cocaine and goes crazy. <laughs> yeah, and then he seems to get, like, almost godlike powers, like he's ultra strong Yeah, he can actually take and- on a god, Wonder Woman. For a bit, yeah. for a bit, a brief moment, anyway. And um, Doctor Poison, though I think she was like an interesting character. Yeah, she you know, was. Clearly, yeah, she'd been through some trauma, as usual. Our, our pet peeve of nobody speaking their native language. Nobody <laughs> was speaking German. <laughs> yeah. In scenes with Doctor Poison and Ludendorff, they were speaking English, and I was like, "Well, you've got subtitles in other parts of the film. This isn't out of the question. Like the realm of possibility that they should be speaking German." And there was that scene where they went into the bunker. And they kill off uh, those other generals, and in that scene, they sort of you know throw down the gas and the mask and the, and but the gas those flimsy work. doors. They don't know that. <laughs> yeah, those flimsy doors. All the gas. <laughs> yeah, so I was thinking, what is going on here? Like, we don't need to see these flimsy doors. Just have them banging against it. Like, I, l- I love it know. how they added just a little bit of of um camp to it when he throws in the gas mask and she goes oh it doesn't it doesn't work and he goes well they don't know that oh (laughs) that was fantastic Uh, heaps of critics hated that they thought it was so stupid like too much winking at the audience but again the difference between Zack Snyder and um Patty Jenkins is huge. No, no, I don't want to put Zack Snyder down. I, I think he's fantastic. I actually, I actually love Watchmen. I think Zack Snyder's a really good director. I don't, I don't mean to put him down, but one of the biggest criticisms with this film is just lighten up, man. Have some, have some humor spread out here. And Wonder Woman, I think, does that so well. Probably my favorite scenes in this whole movie. Um, other than the great trench scene, the the whole action scene there, but just was the fish out of water scenes and how Diana is just walking around London, you know, trying to fit in and she's so beautiful and every, everyone's looking at her, but she's carrying a sword and a shield, you know. As an, yeah. that, all that was fantastic. I could watch that all day. They should make a whole movie with her just trying to fit in to a modern society. No, scratch that. It sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> And when it starts to snow and she hasn't seen that before, you know, like she's got a real kid wonder about, um, you know, not to make a joke using the word wonder there, but like she's, you know, seeing things for the first time. And yeah, there's 
uh, it's clear. It's on her face. It's it's a well-performed piece from Gal Gadot. I still don't know if she's actually a good actress or is is it just the role um, that that's amplifying everything that she's doing? Because I did like her in Fast and the Furious, but that's not really a great display of, you know, she's a great acting talent or anything. But Wonder Woman, physically, she is so fantastic. She moves with the action so well. She's got the looks. Like, don't get me wrong, she's got the looks, but... I don't know, like I'm walking away from Wonder Woman going, wow, Gal Gadot is fantastic as Wonder Woman, but is she going to be able to transition into other roles? I think that's yet to be seen. She doesn't need it. She doesn't need to act. She can make a perfectly great living just from modelling, but, you know. Oh, look, I mean, I think once you are in an iconic role, you sort of set yourself up. Like people still want Chris Hemsworth, even though he is very recognisable as Thor, you know. People still wanted Christopher Reeve, even though he was Superman. Good point, uh, yeah. Like, it, it only enhances, I think, and makes them more iconic, and then everybody wants to work with these people. But this is really her coming out party. This is us seeing Gal Gadot as the first time she's ever been the headliner of a film. She's always been in supporting roles or secondary roles. Uh, here she is. She's the lead. She's name above the poster sort of thing. Just to jump back to that Dr. Poison rubbish, one more of my pet peeves with that was I kind of saw her character as more of an introvert and I don't know why she would be at that party. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think she had to be just because it was such an important moment. They wanted to display the power of the chemical weapons and maybe she had to do a lot of meetings with Hindenburg and stuff like that, but I'm not too sure. And she was sort of susceptible to his flirting until uh, Diana walks in, which is strange as well. Like... She hasn't, I don't know, it didn't sit right. Like, um, I just assumed she would be really introverted because of her scars. Yeah, she is very introverted and very disfigured, but to have a ridiculously handsome guy like Chris Pine say such nice things to you and maybe be interested in your intellectual ideals of, you know, (laughs) how what did he say? Uh, There's something so so pure about fire, how it destroys everything and returns it to the ash from where it belongs or something like that. That was fantastic. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, maybe she could be swayed. And for that brief moment, it was working, but Diana completely ruins it. (laughs) Uh, As soon as they had sex, and we assume they did, uh, Steve, Trevor and Diana, um, I went, okay, well, he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> you saw that coming a mile away. Yeah, but the reason as well is because she's longingly looking at this photograph at the beginning of the film and, and obviously cares about this guy. And it's the same sort of issue as Captain America. Like, he was frozen and then he wakes up and his date is an old woman who had a full life. And in the same sort of, that was set in the 30s, 40s sort of thing. And if he's alive now, he's an old man and they're not together and we didn't hear about him. So I'm assuming he didn't make it, um, just based on, you know, time passing, (laughs) if nothing else. I did think, uh, just cinematography-wise, as we lead up to the scenes where she jumps the fences and kills Ludendorff, uh, it got darker and darker, and the lighting didn't quite... Like, I needed to squint. You did, yeah. Yeah, just very dark scenes as they're going through the forest and... um, I don't know, I felt like maybe a twilighty kind of like um, as the sun's setting uh, magic hour might have suited it a bit better because they obviously shot the finale in darkness. It's nighttime. It, it looked exactly like the Doomsday Battle in Batman vs Superman where you had like a, a big red god like or blue god or whatever just destroying everything amidst darkness, like very similar um cinematography and i'm assuming dc is going to go down this path like they're to their credit they're sticking to their guns but from man of steel all the way to wonder woman the color palette is all very similar like that very very dark and murky look like even um uh the world war one all the scenes in no man's land and so forth oh gosh sorry to digress here but was couldn't they have ruined that moment when he goes, look, it's no man's land. No man can cross that land. Wouldn't it have been terrible if they quoted that awful scene in that Lord of the Frickin' Rings movie, you know, where she goes, I am no man. Oh, I would have walked out of the cinema if that had happened. <laughs> but, um, yeah, t- sorry, to DC's credit, they're sticking to that um, colour palette of being this very murky darkness in contrast to the Marvel movies where it just seems much more 
colorful and uh, you know much more warmer and things like yeah. that. So I don't know if they're they're in a box like they can't like maybe Themyscira is the only exception we can get in this universe. They're not going to um, stray too much from that strategy. I, th- I think they've got to try and maintain the look across all films in this cinematic universe. So there's probably pressure to do that. Like you don't want to suddenly be watching a film and go, oh, that was weird and different and, you know, it doesn't suit and fit with all the DC films. Yeah, but just those particular scenes where they're kind of travelling to get rid of Ludendorff sort of thing and uh, the smoke signals are being put up by the chief. I just thought that was all a bit too dark and didn't quite, yeah, just took me out of it, I suppose. Wasn't it shocking how she actually stabs the, the guy with the knife? Like she puts the knife into him? Uh, yeah, sorry, the sword. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I'm I'm glad they did it because yeah, she's an Amazon. That's what's going to happen when you have those weapons. It's not like a, a laser beam from Ultron which hits Captain America and he gets knocked out. You know, it's not like that. You know, the the weapons that um, Wonder Woman wields. That's what they do. They'll cut heads off. They'll cut limbs off. And yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I mean, it wasn't as if she hadn't killed anybody in the lead up to that moment. Uh, she'd been constantly killing people in the war and when they invaded on the beach and, you know, death is a part of Wonder Woman's story. So it was okay. It was handled fine. I thought they were good not to get too gory because they want the kids to be watching it. I'm sorry you had the kids in your (laughs) cinema. (laughs) But, uh, you know, they're trying to make it accessible for kids. They want kids to buy that Wonder Woman merch, don't they? Yeah, I'm definitely going to buy this on uh, Blu-ray, speaking of which. I I really had a fantastic time with uh, Wonder Woman and I strongly urge everyone to go check it out. I um I noticed the nods to Superman where she puts on glasses, and um, you know, do you think that's really going to hide her face? Like she's not the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. <laughs> and then as well, the uh, the revolving door was similar to a scene Christopher Reeve had done, and there was also a shooting in the alley which was similar to Christopher Reeve's scene. But for me, the the one thing I I was surprised and noticed, but uh, the fact that they mentioned the corset. Uh, and then at the end, Ares is literally crushing her in a corset of metal. Ooh. <laughs> and I hadn't, yeah, it just was like, oh, well, that was kind of a corset as well. But um, for me, the final lines in this where she says only love can save the world was a little on the nose, but uh, I went with it. I went with it. Yeah, same. And uh, where she says, this is my mission forever. She's an immortal, basically. So she's really going to be doing this forever, which is fine. Like, you know, <laughs> till death or whatever. So we have Justice League ahead, Lloyd. And um, if people want to catch up, you can listen to Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, and Suicide Squad, which we'll put links to in the description of this episode. But as we head into Justice League, Lloyd, uh, I want to I ask you, presuming Superman does return, do you foresee a love triangle with Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman? I don't... I have no idea... Um, I, I would prefer they don't do that. Just Wonder Woman just seems like such a a force. She, she just seems so puritanical. She, the, like those things just don't interest her. And I would like to see her, like she's so affected by the loss of um, Steve that she won't, you know, she won't choose another or no one will match how much heart he displayed and stuff like that, but it, it but could that happen. was over over sixty years ago or whatever. <laughs> like she's got to be over that. Well, by if now. Captain America can get over the loss of his, um, you know, of his wife that had of uh, Peggy, yeah, of Peggy, <laughs> and now he's you know getting with his daughter. Is that right? Uh, that, that was. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, there's a subplot there that needs to be tied <laughs> up. But yeah, like uh, I don't know. What do you think? Well, the difference for Captain America is that he was frozen and almost nine, no time has passed in his mind. Like that it only just happened and suddenly she's old and so he's not over it. Whereas Wonder Woman, Diana, she has had, you know, decades to mourn Steve Trevor and, um, you know, to possibly move on. Now, not that they need a love triangle, but if they travel down that road, I mean, Batman has been building a relationship with Diana. They're passing notes and stuff in Wonder Woman. You know, he's, uh, he's finding the negative of that picture for her. And they've sort of been planting seeds and I feel like Batman who's so heavily unlucky in love uh you know despite the fact that there was pairing of them in the animated series I feel like here they won't go that route the fact that Superman and Wonder Woman they both have blue eyes and black hair kind of thing you're going to get rid of Lois Lane at some point there's no way they can sustain having Amy Adams on you know Academy Award-winning actress 
portray Lois Lane, eventually they have to admit that she's human and not part of this Justice League world, you know, whether she walks away or they kill her off. At some point, you're going to have a single Superman. And matching him in godlike ability is Wonder Woman. And I think Kevin Smith said it in More Rats. I can't remember if it was More Rats or Clerks, but like the only woman that can handle Superman's sperm, if you will, is Wonder Woman. Her womb would be effective, whereas Lois Lane's wouldn't. I feel like, you know, you're going to see Superman uh, basically be the kind of man who Diana would uh, admire. You know, he has all the qualities of Steve Trevor. He has that kind of got to do all good in the face of evil. And um, in terms of like, you know, they're both gods, really. I don't um, think they will. Like, uh, just from the animated series, they just never really seemed interested in each other. Um, just, just from the movies I've, I've, I've seen. But um, didn't correct me if I'm wrong. But didn't Superman die in Batman vs Superman? I, I didn't yeah. hang around for the last bit though. <laughs> At the very end, I mean, those rocks were hovering off the, um, the coffin, if you yeah, will. Yeah, I got yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I did start this with presuming Superman returns. <laughs> You know, they, they, they can't possibly kill him, I can know, they? I know, it's ridiculous. So, but, but I mean, he's, he, he's not in Justice League, is that right? Uh, well, not to start with, not, not start that we know of, yeah. you know. I mean, you bring him in when you need to beat a big bad at the end, don't you? <laughs> Third act stuff. Wouldn't it be sad if Justice League is really bad and, like, Wonder Woman is the only film that's considered really <laughs> good? That, oh, man, poor, poor DC, they just can't. They should just put Patty Jenkins at the head of everything. <laughs> maybe. Well, I mean, maybe they should take a page out of Marvel a little bit more and make it more sort of kid accessible. Maybe putting in mid-credit or post-credit scenes would have helped, DC. I, I still don't <laughs> understand. They got these great animated movies and they just seem torn between, yeah, going, uh, make it child-friendly and then trying to make it dark at the same time. Why not just choose one direction <laughs> not not the band, um, but like why why don't they just go all out and just literally ad adapt the animated movies? Like you got them working, they're great, everyone loves them. Just adapt that to screen. It might be a bit too violent for some. Maybe you can scale them back. But Suicide Squad, you had a really good um, uh, animated movie. Why didn't you just adapt that? You know. <laughs> so yeah, there's pressure to have these new stories and um... yeah. You know, obviously you want Harry Styles as the Joker and <laughs> Niall and all the other One Direction members just in the DC universe. <laughs> Look, I, I think it's a success overall. Wonder Woman's going to make a lot of money. I think it's already bounced over $100 million at the time of recording. I think it did that in a weekend or something. So, you know, this is the kind of film that's going to break some box office records, especially with a female director. And I think it's all very good for the industry. No complaints here. It seems like they'll make a second one. And they've got, as I said, that kind of six, seven decades of time before we see uh, Wonder Woman in, in Justice League sort of era, which you can pick from. If you want to keep it in kind of the past, you could pick it up, you know, post Steve Trevor's death and, you know, 60s, 70s, pick another event and, you know, bring her back or or you can kind of have her post justice league see where she's at um you know settling down with superman uh, <laughs> making babies i hope that doesn't happen <laughs> of course of course I, I i don't think they need another like a love triangle just to stress i think they'll probably create one because you want batman and superman to have that point of difference and if they're fighting over a woman as well as kind of um, fighting evil, there's another layer to everything and the choices that they make, there's a person there, you know, Diana, whether they're trying to impress her or not, maybe it's subconscious, but she is basically going to be the ultimate female and there'll be kind of this alpha male thing happening between Batman and Superman that I, I kind of imagine... DC can't ignore. Well, Joss Whedon has taken up, like after the terrible tragedy, what happened to Zack Snyder, Joss Whedon has taken up um, Justice League and he's going to finish the editing or whatever. I don't know if he's going to add uh, a little bit more wit um, into the story, which uh, Joss Whedon obviously is renowned for. But um, you know it's really in trouble, the DC world, when Ben Affleck pulled out of directing a solo Batman film. I personally think... 
Like he's a great director. Ben Affleck is a very, very good director. But I just personally think they laid out the plans for him and showed him the script, and he's just like, "This is this is terrible. I, I don't mm. want to well, do this." Well, it didn't appeal. Yeah. yeah, it didn't appeal. That that's what I really do think that what happened, and it's just so disappointing that we could have had uh, a really another super talented director take the helm of Batman because yeah, like uh, I think Ben Affleck's a, a very good Bruce Wayne and a very good Batman. And Joss Whedon is famous for uh, empowering female characters and um you know he's done it in buffy and everything so it doesn't need to be spoken about here again but i feel like he'll make if she isn't already make wonder woman a big part of justice league so uh also because of the huge success this film is going to have i think the dc will say well what else can we do with wonder woman let's bring her in let's do more you know let's give her that invisible plane everyone's knocking down the door for <laughs> it just feels like the the producers were distracted for a bit with justice league which allowed to, a, a really talented director to do wonders with wonder woman and make it properly you know and not destroy it like what they did with suicide squad <laughs> oh boy suicide squad what is the deal um, but you guys can listen to our podcasts about Suicide Squad, as I said, and everything else. Did you sit through the credits hoping for something? No, I. I what I usually do is um, the moment the critics, oh, the critics, the credits roll up, I, I search, is there a post-credit sequence? And when I read there was, and I, I just walked out of the movie. See, I sat through it as um, the ushers and cleaners in the cinema stood at the back of the film, knowing that there was no post-credit sequence. And they just let me sit and watch the credits. Not a total waste of time. I'll tell you the standby carpenter in the credits was Steve Rogers. Oh. Which is also Captain America's alias. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can just imagine Captain America standing by going, does anyone need any carpentry done? (laughs) No, it was a total waste of time, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, I should probably start doing that, Googling whether or not there's post or mid credits. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm sure we'll uh, talk more Wonder Woman in the future. We've got Justice League later this year, which is a big deal. The fact that they're coming out months apart, really. So... And we got Spider-Man. I think I saw a trailer for that. Yeah, that's that'd be July. Nice of Marvel to get their trailers onto DC's bigger films. Yeah, <laughs> heaps of people always. And th- thank thank you to our listeners, um, people I know as well. But yeah, people always ask me every time there's a Marvel movie coming out or a DC movie coming out. They uh, one of the first things they ask me is, "Oh, are you guys going to cover that in the podcast?" So it's like we've kind of box ourselves in here to do superhero movies nonstop, which I don't mind. I really love doing it, but it just seems like something like that triggers oh pod me if you can might be doing a podcast on that for some people yeah nice that's always good to hear from the listeners so drop us a line on facebook if you like and as well i wanted to just plug here that um i'll hopefully be speaking with uh gal gadot's stunt woman uh in the future so lock it on to pod me if you can and we'll um have an interview in the coming months uh as well uh next time on the show alien covenant so traveling back for ridley scott's um Alien film. Now, what did he turn down to do Alien again, Lloyd? <laughs> Blade Runner 2. He turned that, that film down to do Alien Covenant. So it seems like a very important film for him to do to turn down one of the great masterpieces that he um, created, one of the most influential science fiction films of all time, uh, Blade Runner. So I really can't wait to discuss Alien Covenant with you, Dave. And that'll be next week on Pod Me If You Can. Check out our YouTube channel for obscure films with famous stars in them. We recently did Friends Month, so there's a different film there for each of the cast members of Friends. And, you know, more recently uh, I just released an Ethan Hawke obscure film from 1991, and there's many more uh, set to come. So subscribe to us on YouTube as well. And you can find all the links to us at podmeifyoucan.com. Hit it. For listening, please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod me if you can. Movie reviews. 